That's sweet. That's awesome. So yeah, he's, what? A, he's a freak with this kind of stuff. I'm telling you. That's why I, I want to have him on because I don't know if you could see. He's got this little journal here. You flip through it and there's brackets. a journal over there? Yep, yep, yeah. There's brackets for every single conference tournament. That's sweet. I was going through he's the got- Twitter account and I was like, yo, he's on it. Like he watches yeah. teams that like I'm I don't forget about it. Don't, don't yeah, need yeah. to watch. Yeah, plug the Twitter. What's how do you how do you the, spell it? The Twitter for the people? is so it it's how you spell bracketology. But it is my name, Brock. So, Brockatology with an underscore at the end. Perfect. Brockatology underscore. Follow it. Follow. Follow it. We're going to get into some some bracketology uh, at points in this show. We're going to start off, though, recapping the the end of the regular season, a five-game stretch for Michigan State. They go win out to position themselves for a share of the Big Ten regular season championship, the third straight Big Ten championship uh, for Michigan State, and head into the Big Ten tournament now as a two-seed in the tournament. So going over this five-game stretch, we didn't want to take you through each individual game because that would be way too much. And by this point, you've seen them. It's happened. So we're going to go through kind of the ebbs and flows, the things we saw from this five-game stretch here because I feel like throughout the five-game stretch, a lot of the same things happen. But, of course, it's all led to Michigan State peaking at the right time. Uh, so really quickly, before getting into each individual kind of bullet point we want to talk about, I want to get your first general thoughts on this five-game stretch. Yeah, I think it's definitely – this is the team that we kind of thought we were getting coming into the season. And all three of us talked about this before we went on spring break was the Spartans really have a chance here to – you know, correct everything that went wrong a couple months ago, losing six out of ten, losing to, you know, bad losses to Purdue, record setting losses to Purdue, that kind of thing. And and now what you what you essentially did was you beat four four or five, five straight ranked opponents. Is that what happened? Four? I don't yeah, know. Four. You because beat, you, you got Penn State, Maryland, Iowa, Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, yep. Nebraska okay. fifteen. Nebraska. So five wins in a row, four against ranked opponents, and you won them all pretty convincingly. Obviously the Penn State game was a little bit different because you find yourself in a 20-plus point hole, but you fought back. And that, honestly, is a little bit more encouraging than if you were to just go blow the doors off them because in March you're obviously going to face some adversity. And I just think, you know, overall, when you look at how they were winning these games as well, Rocket Watts playing fantastic right now. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but, you know, he's dropping 18, 22, 13, 15. He's just always showing up. He's being that third guy helping take pressure off Cassius Winston, who's also been playing insanely you know, he's, he's been playing peak Cassius Winston performance, and that's what you need at this point. And Xavier Tillman, obviously winning Defensive Player of the Year for the Big Ten, has been playing fantastic, double-double machine, uh, shutting down guys like Luca Garza, Jalen Smith, uh, Andre Weston. It just, you know, you, it keeps going on. So uh, this team is peaking at the right time, and I think that's, that's the biggest takeaway from the win streak. Right. You said it perfectly before spring break. We were saying, you know, this is a key stretch for them. This is where they need to redeem themselves, get that confidence back, work out the kinks and mistakes. And that's exactly what they did. And you could see they got this confidence and they've, you know, they've went on a run and they had a great win over Ohio State on Sunday. And it's kind of crazy. They climbed all over the rankings a little bit. At one point they were unranked. And then now this week they're back at number nine. So I think they've started to figure things out. And like you mentioned, Trent, Rocket Watts has been that key third guy that we've been talking about all season. It didn't end up really being Aaron Henry, but he's improved too. But Rakowatz has kind of become this guy that's great on defense. He's been taking a lot of shots and, you know, he's been someone that I think we can really count on to do well um, for Michigan State during the tournament, during the Big Ten tournament as well. Um, So yeah, I think this was just a really good key stretch for them and a lot of confidence. We, we're all on the same wavelength here in terms of everything that we saw and the peaks. And this team is peaking at the right time. To be completely honest, like, I 
especially I didn't see this high of a peak. I definitely, you know, it's Izzo. He's going to have the team ready in March, but right now they look like one of the best teams in college basketball. And I don't, I don't know if, you know, in February, January, that point of the season, you're willing to go out and say that this team can turn that corner and be the one of the best teams in college basketball. But they look the part of it right now. I mean, Cassius Winston, as he has been all season, as he was last year, is playing at, as you're going to see now, an all-Big Ten first-team level. He's playing at potentially an all-American level. Xavier Tillman is, is playing... I would go as far to say probably the best defense in the country. He is one of the most versatile big men that you're going to find in the country. He's guarding guards. He's guarding big men. And he's put guys who, I mean, Luca Garz is a guy who's competing for National Player of the Year. Uh, Caleb Wesson, of course, Lamar Stevens, the variety of guys. And the fact that he's putting them in literal straight jackets when he's playing them is unbelievable. And he is a big factor as to why Michigan State is peaking at this point. Both of you talked about Rocket Watts, and he's been absolutely sensational. I mean, numbers are a bit high in terms of shooting. He's a volume shooter, but if he's giving you 10-plus points, this is a team that has that that third option. You got Aaron Henry again. He's giving you 10-plus points, and he's he seems to be just more consistent and a guy who's, who's picking his spots right and who's not hesitating as much as you saw early on in the season. And so everyone just seems to be playing well. I think they're starting to round out the rotation and figure out that, you know, some guys, maybe Julius Marble or so, aren't going to play that much, and you're just going to play your Gabe Browns and your Kyle Arns, but that rotation's rounding out, and those guys are, are giving you quality minutes and quality time. Even Malik Hall's giving you quality minutes. Um, so, like you said, Trent, this team's peaking at the right time. They're figuring out they're up to number nine in the AP poll, two seed in the Big Ten tournament, and I think to end the season as high as they did, to go into the Big Ten tournament a two seed, you know, they look to maybe get a winner. So I don't think, you know, a lot of success in the Big Ten tournament is a huge factor for the NCAA tournament. But obviously, if you're playing your best basketball at this point in the season, anything can happen. Um, and so quickly, I want to start and really just hit on Rocket Watts first to begin this. I, I think for me, as what has been a big factor in this team being so much better is his play. And like I said, he is a volume shooter. You know, I got some of his stats over here. He was 6 of 13, uh, I believe, in Ohio State, 7 of 20, 5 of 13, 9 for 17, which is about 27 out of 63, which is 42%. So it's, you know, a little bit high, low shooting percentage, but he's giving you about 17 points per game over those last four. And I think, you know, no matter how much he shoots, as of right now, he's shooting this team in games he's he's keeping them in games he's pushing the leads and for me it's just been the ability to create his own shot anytime the offense seems to be stalled he's taking somebody off the dribble and, and, and you know I think he's one of those guys who can shoot you in or shoot you out of games but as long as he's creating and giving you something I think that's a huge lift for this offense that, that we've seen be stagnant at times yeah, the my player count for Rocket Watts has always been Russell Westbrook just because I think he's the same he, he's just downhill player he plays really athletic and yeah, you're gonna shoot. You're gonna see some bricks. He's a volume shooter, uh, but you know, Tom Izzo joked in about a couple it. Of yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom Izzo joked about it in his presser. He was like, you know, Rocket ended the half four or seven from three, but he he pulled him aside as they're walking in the locker room. He says, "Rock, you banked a couple of them. You're this close to one of seven. And Rocket's just like, you know, I got you. Whatever, shrugs it off. So that that kind of mentality is very essential to this team and what they need. But something that Russell Westbrook really hasn't had in his career is another dynamic guard, and that's what Rocket Watts has in, in uh, Cassius Winston. So obviously when the going gets tough, your shots aren't falling, you can kick it back to Cassius. Because in the Penn State game specifically, obviously Cassius not a great first half, um, and not a great first half against Iowa either. Um, but just that ability to you know kind of take some attention away from Cassius Winston, and then just when you think he's gone, you know, boom, he comes right back because Rocket you know, swinging it around, taking that attention away. 
and then allowing number five to do his thing. So I just think that that, that presence is really important. And then, if you know, Natalie, you kind of alluded to this. If the Spartans can get Aaron Henry back into that mix as well, then this team's going to be really tough to beat. Right. Those four, Tillman, Cassius, Aaron Henry, and Rocket Watts, I mean, that's that's a great, you know, that's a great group of guys going into the tournament, going to the Big Ten tournament. But just to, you know, add to what you guys said, Rocket, I remember we were saying, you know, he had a rough start to the season, wasn't showing much confidence, missing shots, taking too many shots and whatnot. But Michigan State's offense has found some consistency and connectedness that we've seen in this last five-game stretch, and Rocket Watts has been a huge reason why. Um, he became that third option we were looking for, and you know he's shown more improvement throughout the season. I think this confidence, because we said that was kind of key for him, and you know he's a typical freshman taking every shot he can, but he's got this fire about him, and I think that's going to do Michigan State well going into the next few weeks throughout the month of March. And, you know, I remember um, Cassius was telling him at the half, you know, he's got to play more disciplined and smarter because he was just taking so many shots, kind of what you were saying about um, when him and Izzo had spoke. But, you know, he's become great on defense, and I think he's been a great weapon for this team, and I think he'll continue to be um, going into tournament play. And it hasn't just been the offense either. I mean, he is one of the best perimeter defenders on this team, and that, that leads right into Aaron Henry as well. Both of them have also put on great defensive performances against the opposing guards of teams they had to face. I mean, Maryland comes to mind and what they did to Anthony Cowan in that game and just took him out of his rhythm, and that's a guy who, I mean, we saw at the Breslin Center close out on a 14-0 run, hit three of those threes back-to-back to send Michigan State out with a loss, uh, and they put him in a straitjacket once again at College Park for a huge win there. Uh, but the two of them have been fantastic defensively. I think you look at Aaron Henry, and, and for me, he's just finding his spots more. He's not you know, just pulling up for jump shots that are off balance, out of rhythm, out of where he wants to go. He's putting the ball on the floor. He's getting the rim. He's showing a variety of moves with hop steps and, and spins and pump fakes and all that kind of stuff. And he just, he looks more confident out there. And I think, you know, when he's playing confidently, he's putting it on the floor and he's defending at a high level. I mean, if you got two guys who are defending at a high level out there on the perimeter and they're at least giving you 10, I mean, this is a tough team to stop. I think Cassius and Tillman are fantastic, but they have needed support, and right now they're getting the support. And I, I think Aaron Henry is probably the most consistent guy to maybe give you that, is Rocky Watts, although he's hitting shots now, can maybe miss a lot of those come tournament time. Right. I think I saw, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was, I think Aaron Henry's been averaging in the last five games, like, or maybe it's the last part of the season, something like 12 points a game or something like that. Yeah, he went 12, 12, 9, 17, and 13 in the okay. last five games. Yeah, so, you know, he's become a guy, too, that's gained all this confidence, um, you know, midway through the season. I think it was Michigan when things really turned around for him, and he put up, like, 10 or 11. Um, and he looked solid and continued to look that way throughout the rest of the season. So, like you guys said, if Rocket and him continue to put up good numbers and stay good on defense was both – both of them have been, um, I think that's going to do well for this team. It's been huge, and I think one of the biggest things is Trent and I were, were kind of sort of on the call for Sunday's game. But yeah. that, was a, that was a train wreck, by the way. Absolutely <laughs> we crazy. We apologize to anyone if you're listening, if you tried to listen to us on Sunday because it was awful. I was listening back to it, actually, in the in the studio before we started recording, and the first part of it, at least, you can hear – like I'm talking, and then you can actually hear because we had a delay in our ears, an yeah. echo. You can hear the echo like on the broadcast. So it's, it's been recorded that I'll say something, and then you'll just hear like a tiny voice all the way in the background go, 
say the same say thing what again. you just said yeah, yeah that's not not great not a great look not we're, ideal we'll, we'll but, uh, figure it out. <laughs> what <laughs> ended up happening with that we took the equipment in yesterday and tried to figure it out and i think we got it so did yeah. you what was wrong some button i'm not a tech guy i have no idea yeah so the the best way i can describe it because i'm not 100 percent clear on that board in there but so what allows us there's like program four i believe it is allows you as the person in there to talk back to us uh, and to hear what we say while we're doing the call so it was on for the host mic in the studio which is how it should be but it was also then on for the or excuse me on for the zephyr which it should be but on for the host mic as well which all it needs to be is on for the zephyr yeah so basically it was one button and it threw off the whole thing so it basically was sending and receiving the same audio so which is why it was sending back to the studio but also sending right back but we got it fixed so indianapolis we'll be good to go we'll be good to go uh but yeah we're on the call for that game henry has a chase down block and then i believe another block down there in the post but he is just he's been more active and i think that's been the biggest thing for this the entirety of this defense is guys are active they are on they're communicating and for me that all starts with Xavier Tillman who has as we have talked about come on in the last five games and turned the guy who is defending at a high level he's still scoring he's still rebounding I mean I think he is one of five or something like that division one players that are averaging like 13 points 10 plus rebounds I think three 3.3 assists some around there and then a couple of block shots but he is doing everything for this team is a Swiss army knife. And I don't know how many more accolades or how much more praise to give him. But I, I think when you look at him, Winston has been great, but Tillman in this final stretch of five games it has been absolutely spectacular. Yeah, he has been. And I think the Iowa game in particular, you have to look at how, you know, Izzo straight up said in his postgame presser, you know, Xavier Tillman was our MVP tonight. And well, if you're just a casual basketball fan and you look at the box score, he had six points and six boards. That doesn't really tell the story. He got in foul trouble early, and then he came back in the second half and basically just shut possibly the player of the year down completely. And and I think another aspect of his presence that means a lot to this team is just his leadership. Obviously, he's only a, he's only a junior, but for a guy like Malik Hall, who you know the Spartans are trying to groom into that next guy, that next big man that they're going to use and play through, Marcus Bingham, Thomas Kithier, Julius Marble, all these guys look up to him, and he's that anchor. So it's important for this year, but also just going forward in the next year, helping these younger guys get their confidence. Right. It was well-deserved, the award Big Ten's Best Defender. I mean, like you guys said, locked up Luca Garza very well. He was 3 of 13 shooting when guarding him. So that's amazing. And then he kept Jalen Smith in check, Lamar Stevens, and Caleb Wesson too. So Tillman did a great job you know, staying on those guys. And in seven I believe uh, seven of his last 12 games, he finished with double-doubles. So that's another great thing from him, too. And he finished the season second on team in scoring, first in rebounds, and shot 55% from the floor. So he's got a great stat line. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. Uh, he's been he's been great. Um, and so that that's with Tillman. He's been absolutely fantastic. Swiss Army knife. And, I, I, again, I think one of the best big men in, in the country at this point right now. Um, which is, as we'll get into all big teams and stuff like that, his name will come up a lot more. But for me, those were the biggest things from this stretch. I do want to ask, because there's a lot of positivity that goes into this stretch. Obviously, they win the five games to end out the regular season. But I want to ask if there's anything either of you saw that may give you some cause for alarm that, out of all the praise, might be missing from this team, or if there's something that you think still needs to get there for this team to make a run in March. 
Um, I guess if there's anything, it would have to be the Penn State game just getting out to another slow start, as we've seen the Spartans do all season long. A lot of the losses have to do with, you know, like the Indiana game, you just didn't come out. Purdue game, you didn't come out. There's a lot of those issues still still going on. But, you know, they, they got it together, to their credit. So I don't really know if that can even be called a concern. If there is one, that's got to be it. And a lot of that actually had to do with the three-point shooting. You know, the Spartans uh, shot 26% from three-point land in that game and were still able to win by eight points. A lot of that had to do with their defense, but when you face more potent offenses in the tournament, you know, when it gets down to the Elite Eight or Final Four, should they get there, uh, that's going to be an issue. So I think that that to me is probably the biggest thing to look at. Right. Hot starts are important, and just having that consistent third guy or whoever wants to step up and fill that spot, whether it's Rocky Watts, Aaron Henry, or whoever. I'm with you both on there. I definitely think, for one thing, again, a positive kind of thing, turnovers have gotten better in the last few or so games. I think it's 9, 10, and 11 for like the last three or so. I definitely think that's one area to continue to watch is no matter how well Michigan State has played, turnovers has still been a factor. I also, I still look at Rocket Watts as a guy right now, he's playing very well, but he's one who if he's missing, you know, he's 0 for 4 on threes, he's not going to stop taking them just because he's 0 for 4. Yeah, and at that point it becomes a little tough to play him. You know, obviously he brings a lot on the defensive end, but then you got to try to get a guy like Gabe Brown or Kyle Ahrens going. So it's going to be tough, like you said, if he's not if he's not hitting, like, do you keep feeding him or do you go away or do you still take that chance? I don't know. Exactly, and I also want to see Gabe Brown. He's got to play more. I think he played seven minutes in the Ohio State game, was pretty much a non-factor there. They got to get him going. And I think Izzo, I was, you know, we weren't able to make it out to the presser today at noon. Classes suck. Uh might be online soon. Yeah, Who knows? Um, but he talked about getting Gabe Brown more minutes and getting Gabe Brown out there. And I think for this team, Gabe Brown is a huge guy because I think it is one of the biggest things they've struggled with is three-point shooting. And if Gabe Brown can give them that coming off the bench or maybe even starting him and Kyle Arns, a combination of the two, stretching the floor is huge for this team. Uh, but for me, that is, that's kind of what I got from this five-game stretch. Anybody have any last thoughts before we move on out of here? No. Nope. (laughs) I think the team is peaking at the perfect time. There. How's that? They are. They're peaking at the perfect time, right into the Big Ten tournament, as we said. A two-seed in the tournament. Um, So now we'll move on. We're going to discuss the the All-Big Ten teams and the All-Big Ten awards uh, that came out to you in this regular season. Uh, We'll start first with the All-Big Ten first team. We're kind of going to go through these um, and, and give our thoughts on the team, the people, the players that were selected, obviously, kind of past the point now, so we don't really need to give our ballot. We also don't get a vote, so I don't know who controls that. Big Ten Conference, I would like a vote, so hit your boy up, at J underscore Mitchell 25. We can get this process worked out, because I want to vote. So Yeah, that'd be great. Need, if you voted, I would be... We all need a vote. We're big-time media. What is, what is well, this? Well, yeah, I was also thinking the, the, for the team awards, the media votes on that, like the team media. Yeah. We weren't involved in we that. We weren't involved in that. Like, excuse us, we're media. So I would like that credit. Um, <laughs> but we awesome. go through our all Big Ten first team, and the first team is Luca Garza, and uh, he is unanimous. He is in all caps, which is their denotion for unanimous selection. Uh, Luca Garza, Anthony Cowan for Maryland, Jalen Smith of Maryland as well, uh, Cassius Winston for Michigan State, and Lamar Stevens for Penn State. Um, start off first, first thing that caught my eye, uh, there's no Xavier Tillman on this list. On yeah. my personal list, I have him as a first team member. I think, yeah, we all agree I do with too. that. I was going to make the case. So we're all on that page. Uh, all right, Trent, you make the case. Well, I, I just think uh, you got a guy like Jalen Smith. Obviously, he's been playing great all year. So has uh, Lamar Stevens from Penn State. Almost forgot his name there for a second, sorry. Um, but I, I just think, 
for what Tillman's done, and maybe you wouldn't quite understand, maybe these writers don't, wouldn't understand, or it's the coaches who vote on this, right? Yeah, Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, yeah so. And, maybe, oh, no, excuse me. This is, yeah, they all vote, and uh, they put in their votes for it. So, yeah, it's okay. meeting everything. Yeah, yeah so I, I just don't, excuse unless me. you watch this team go all the way from that Kentucky game at Madison Square Garden until now, you might not understand the impact that Xavier Tillman has had on this team, but like he he is he factually is the heart and soul, the guts and the glue, you know the the anchor for this team. And with Cassius Winston going through some tough things in his personal life, Xavier Tillman was the one to hold it together. And I and I know that narrative doesn't always work with this kind of stuff. People don't really get into that. People don't subscribe to it. But I just think with all things considered, I, what were his season averages? I don't even have those up in front of me. I think Lamar had, Stevens. No, uh, excuse me. Tillman. Tillman? Yeah. I know he averaged yeah. 10.3 rebounds. Yeah. So double did he I mean he averaged a double double. I know that. Oh, I had this I just clicked off the stats. I don't know why I did that. Doesn't really matter. I got you. Okay, you got well, it. Well, I'm loading it, so just you keep talking and giving your cases. I Well, that's 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 all I got, really. So <laughs> also he's a father. Father of two. Boom. Put him on the first team. Does that right. does that count towards basketball? I, I don't know. And he's, he's a married not, man. He's not getting much sleep. <laughs> I can tell you and that. And he's got one of the best grade point averages he's, on the team. He's yes. got a he's got a long resume of stuff. He yeah. does. So his average is a, a 13 points a game, 10 uh 10.3 rebounds. He's shooting 55% from the field. Um and how many assists? About 3.3 assists a game. So Jalen Smith, 15 and a half points, 10 and a half rebounds, 0.8 assists. And 53.8%. So field goal percentage is pretty comparable. Points and rebounds pretty comparable, but uh, X better passer. And I think X is the more important leader to Michigan State than Jalen Smith is to Maryland with Cowan there as well. Uh, obviously, that's just like a, my, that's my that's my take. You know, some people would disagree, but I, that's my that's my case for putting Tillman on the first team. I agree with your case. I will. I'm going to swap out the the other player you chose. I think Jalen Jalen Smith is on my first team as well. I think he's been fantastic for Maryland. Obviously, they are a team with a share of the Big Ten title, even though they tried to fumble the bag a little bit towards the end of the season. But I, for me, he Jalen Smith is one of the best big men in this conference outside inside he's doing a lot for maryland he's gonna be a good pro i don't he's gonna be a great pro yeah he fits the game perfectly fits the game perfectly uh the guy i would take off i i don't have anthony cowan on my first team um so cowan would not make that for me um but neither does lamar stevens as well and the thing with stevens is lamar stevens put up great numbers penn state is a team that is most likely going to make the ncaa tournament they had a great season but for me you look at the last five games and Penn State goes to they go one for their last four, excuse me, win one game in their last four, and it's a lot pointed at him and how he played in those last four games. And although his totals will be 20, 20 points, fifteen points, and eighteen points respectfully, respectively, he shot eight of eighteen, three of nineteen, and five for twenty. In those last three games, they lost three straight to lose the season. Uh, he was also four of thirteen in their sole win against Rutgers in those last four games. I think at some point I factored that into account that those last three games that they really could have made a push for a share of the title to even be in the conversation that he plays horribly. And shoot, I mean, it's direct correlation that those losses go to him shooting 8 for 18 and 3 of 19. That right there is why LeBron James is going to win MVP of the NBA. We can talk about that some other time. That is a whole nother topic. I disagree. I know you think that's completely asinine, but remember I, know, I said it right I now. I said it today. Not even going to talk NBA. LeBron's in the conversation. He is, but let's be honest, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, but this is not an NBA podcast. Save that. Make sure you listen to the Green and White Report on Sunday. That will be a topic of conversation. Sweet. Either way, Lamar Stevens fumbled it in like the last four games of the season. Uh, He would have been a first team. He's got first team numbers, but dog, 
That's three yeah. games that point directly at you. Yeah, don't And so for me, him. that is him, Cowan. They fall to my second team, and Xavier Tillman's on there. I had Ayo Desunmu on there as well. He's been okay. great. Uh, he's had a great season. But, yeah, Xavier Tillman is, to me, the one of the biggest misses on this first team. Um, I was actually surprised that Cassius Winston was a unanimous as well on this one. You were? I, I thought he would be, and I think he should be. Uh, but I definitely think you look at it, and you—I mean, very hard to pick two people from the same team. Yeah. And he hasn't had the the season that everyone expected him to have after yep. the the end of last year, leading to a Final Four. Uh, so yeah, he makes the list, but Tillman does not. Um, I think Tillman should. And now I know you're on that same that same boat yeah. as well for that for the first team. So we'll go on. Uh, we can look at the second team now. Ayo Desunmu, Xavier Simpson, uh, Tillman on the second team, and Daniel Turu and Caleb Wesson. Um, to me, again, Desumu's in my first team, Tillman's in my first team, and I would have Cowan and Stevens to to ride out this second team. I did my one shakeup that I kind of threw in there is I could potentially throw uh, Nate Reavers of Wisconsin on the second team just because doesn't have the numbers, but Wisconsin is a team that somehow got their way into a share of the Big Ten, and for me at some point, you reward a little bit of that success. So I, I tossed him on there, and I moved Xavier Simpson down. Well, yeah, and you and I sat, and we sat there at Cole Center and watched him completely destroy, you know, the Spartans, which was a great thing to see. Maybe I'm being a little sarcastic, whatever. But <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't really, to be completely honest, I don't, you know, I don't have any much of a problem with any of these, so I'm just going to. Yeah, a lot of these, I think there's, there was, to me, at least, a pretty clear. There's a few yeah. players that are outliers, but a clear first team and a clear second team for this season. Um, so we'll go on now. Third team, we'll give you the list here. I don't think a lot of us have objections to a lot of people here. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana, Joe Wieskamp of Iowa, Geo Baker of Rutgers, and Nate Reavers of Wisconsin, and Demetric Trice of Wisconsin round out the third team. Uh, look at all freshmen really quickly. Kofi Coburn for Illinois, Trace Jackson Davis, C.J. Frederick, Franz Wagner of Michigan, and then Rocket Watts of Michigan State makes the all-freshman team. We've spoken about him. Fantastic. Uh, I think a lot of this has come on with those last that last stretch of games, that five-game stretch for him where he's been fantastic offensively and defensively. But I, I think for me, a pretty clear-cut all-freshman team here. Um, and then to round that out, Luca Garza wins player of the year for the Big Ten. Anyone have Cassius Winston in this? For me, I think it was I was it was clear Luca Garza. Oh no, yeah, no, I think Garza deserved it because he was probably he probably had the best season in terms of just numbers in the toughest conference in the country. So I think you have to reward that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't personally, I don't have any problems with it. I, but I, I can tell you this though, Cassius Winston is not. He does not care. You know, he's gonna continue and he's got his eyes on higher things. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if it wasn't Garza, it would. It would probably be Cassius Winston, yeah. but what was Garza averaging? Wasn't it like twenty, twenty-five and twelve or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something and crazy. Like fifty-five percent from the field, about almost forty percent from three-point range. He was unreal, unreal this season, a monster uh, all season long, and he's he's been a fantastic player this year. So I definitely think Player of the Year awarded correctly to him. Uh, we've talked about it. Xavier Tillman wins Defensive Player of the Year. How versatile he's been, how amazing he's been all season long. I think an easy award to give to Xavier Tillman. Um, and lastly, just to say coach of the year is Greg Gard for Wisconsin. 
I, yeah, I think that's it. I, for, I honestly, and we'll go through when we go through our, our first episode predictions, but did not have Wisconsin near the upper echelon of this Big Ten. And none of us did. They pull away with the share of it. It's It's been a great season for Greg Gard, and I think, you know, a lot of their moves of moving to a, a bunch of guards in their lineup, Demetri Trice has turned on. It has just been it's been great for the Badgers. I mean, Trent and I, we made the trip up there, and the fans are crazy about their basketball. They definitely, at that point, looked like a pretty good team, but they've turned it around to end out this season. Yeah, definitely, and the guy we sat next to, he was part of Wisconsin student media, and he was saying that some people were calling for Greg Gard's job at that point in the season after the transfers and everything. So, uh, yeah, hats off to him. Way to keep it together and pull the season together, and now they're going to try to go make a run. So those are your all-big 10 honors. Some of our thoughts on those honors we'll move to now as we are in the postseason. We are in March. This is this is where Brock comes on. He gives us all his knowledge. He yeah, opens up sit, the he's journal. He's been sitting patiently. He's been sitting, sitting patiently. He's been waiting. <laughs> Brockatology, give it to us. I'll just throw you our first question. Uh Right now, what seed is Michigan State in the NCAA tournament? Everyone's wondering, obviously, the, the Big Ten is absurd and the conference tournament is at a horrible time for Selection Sunday as the brackets get set. So even if they win the Big Ten championship, what does it look like for Michigan State? Right now they are a three. Uh, how high can they go? So best case scenario, if they do win the Big Ten championship, I personally think that they are a two seed, but I would also do that for Maryland and maybe even Wisconsin, even though they would – be jumping a lot of teams, but we were talking off air how the Big Ten has, like, we, they are the last, literally the last automatic bid championship game punched. So it, the game gets done probably around 5.30, and the bracket comes out at 6. So how much does a championship game really matter? We don't really know. We've seen in past years that the committee doesn't seem to really value it a whole bunch so I think the Big Ten really does themselves a disfavor in putting the game at the 330 time slot on CBS. Exactly and as we talked about I mean last season Michigan State goes out and wins a Big Ten championship wins the regular season as well and gets slotted in Duke's region obviously everyone had the outrage of that team ends up going to the final four Uh, but as you said conference tournament the bracket's already been selected. It's concrete by that point. Um, and as you said, looking at the Big Ten, right now I believe they're sitting on 10 bids. I want to ask you, how many of those? How, how many bids do you think it'll actually end up with? I think there are a lot of teams that sit out there on the bubble. I think you look at it, Indiana as a team that wants to get in there. Archie Miller had his rage at Joe Lenardi in a press conference there. Do you see them making it in? How many bids does the Big Ten end up with? Uh, yeah. You mentioned Lenardi, Lenardi, the godfather of bracketology. <laughs> but uh, I I agree with him and basically everybody with that they have 10 bids to the Big Ten. I think Purdue is really the only other team that has a chance, but that would mean that they have to beat Ohio State and then go through Michigan State and probably even maybe still a win against Maryland. Now, this would all have been different if they could have just beat Rutgers at home. Then they maybe would have only had to beat Ohio State and play Michigan State close. But So I think 10 is firm. It's going to be at 10, and Purdue really is on the outside looking in, but they still have a chance. So I I don't know if you have the exact answer for them, but what would be the teams that would edge them out as far as teams on the bubble that would push out? Say if Purdue did make it or they, I guess, beat Ohio State, take out Michigan State, but don't get that one against Maryland. What team would maybe bump them from there? 
Um, I think I personally, Lenardi has Richmond as his 69th team, the first team out. And I personally, as a guy, I go to Central Michigan University, so I'm at a mid-major school. And I'm always for like the mid-majors, like getting more bids because I think we can all agree sometimes it makes for more like madness. Like it's always fun to see upsets in the little guy, except when it's your team. But yeah, of course. Like <laughs> I don't know. I would much rather see Richmond or a smaller school get in than a sub 500 team in a power conference like Mississippi State or. Just a, t- a team like that. Yeah. Who's your mid-major darling this season? What's the team? What's the Loyola of Chicago for this year? I really like Utah State, and they're they're the like, Aggies. Yeah. They. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you might know they they just beat San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Championship. They have Sam Merrill back, Brock Miller. A lot of guys returned from their team last year when they were an eight seed. Lenardi and most people have them projected right now to be around a 10, 10, 11, but I really like Utah State. Okay, now, Gadgerman Major, what are the one seeds? Who's the upper echelon? Who, who's getting a one seed in this tournament? It's been a crazy year, by the way. Like, the number Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah just there's, it seems like every year there's an, the top 10 team losing to an unranked opponent or something like that. Yeah, I really think that speaks to just how open this tournament is, but. I would go with Kansas. I think Kansas has kind of separated themselves into this next like level with uh, Von Dotson and Azubuki just playing out of their minds right now. But then also Gonzaga, and then with the loss of San Diego State, I think Dayton slides up and gets a one seed if they take care of business in the A-10 tournament. And then Baylor, even though they've struggled as of late, the committee is still going to value what they've done all year and not just look at the last couple of weeks. How do you feel about Baylor? Obviously, as you said, they've kind, they've kind of dropped it in these last few games to end out the season. Are you still figuring that they're one of the better teams in college basketball right now? I think they are. I look at them like like I look at Maryland. Like They kind of they just they stumbled down the stretch and just gave the Big 12 regular season title to Kansas. They just handed it right to them but kind of like how Maryland did with Michigan State, Wisconsin, and everybody else who was chasing them. They had two games up on everybody and just kind of blew it. I I think Baylor is dangerous. You know, they're they're really athletic, but it just it just depends if your shots fall. So it's very true. I so I don't know if you agree with me. I have Kansas right now as probably my favorite going into everything I think they so far they have looked more like the best team in college basketball up to this point I don't you have are of the same thought but for me Kansas is is absolutely dangerous and I think they might be probably as of right now out of the one seeds the the number one pinnacle at this NCAA tournament yeah I would agree I think but just like I want to say it was when they had the Morris twins when they lost to Northern Iowa in the that was yep. they were the number one overall seed that year and they lost in the second round of Northern Iowa. So I don't know anything can happen. We've seen all year, as you alluded to earlier, nobody could keep number one in the rankings in the AP poll this year. So I really think anybody could win this thing. All right, Big Ten tourney coming up this weekend. Sleepers in this tournament. Obviously, this is I think Izzo even said it today that. 10-plus teams, I'm going to win this tournament. Who do you got as some uh, a team that people should look out for that even even for Michigan State, people who think they're in the upper echelon of the Big Ten need to watch out for? Um, I won't pick Illinois just because they're on the 
they're on that byline with uh, Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin. But I do think that Brad Underwood has done a great job. You know, he came from Stephen F. Austin to Oklahoma State, now Illinois, and kind of revived them. And it's it's good to have another team in the Big Ten, hopefully year in and year out, just be be another good powerhouse. But I think Iowa with Garza, if they can beat Minnesota or Northwestern and then play Illinois, I think that that would be a great game. And Iowa led by Garza, I think Fran McCaffrey's team can be very dangerous when Garza and everybody else is firing on all cylinders. They are. They're they're a tough team. I am skeptical about their defense, but I, I definitely think, as you said, Garza gets hot. Uh, Frederick gets hot from three. They That's a team that is tough to stop. Uh, outside of that, other conference tournaments are going on. What are some teams that you think people should look at in those conference tournaments uh, for those teams, especially going into March, guys, like teams that you think can be sleepers, dark horses in the uh, NCAA tournament overall? Um, we talked about Utah State earlier. Uh, East Tennessee State clinched their automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. I really like them. I also like Belmont. They beat Murray State the other night. Um, and then... Hofstra, Hofstra, the Hofstra Pride, they play Northeastern tonight in the Colonial Tournament or the Colonial Conference Tournament Championship. And they are they're a team that I think could probably have a chance at upsetting somebody if they if they can finally win. Last year they were the one seed too in their conference tournament and they could do it again this year. They are the one seed, but last year they were upset in their conference tournament. This year I think they have a chance to maybe make some noise in that CA tournament. All right. And uh, finishing, rounding out, looking at the big tournament overall, uh, I want to ask Michigan State's postseason chances. I think as we we had talked about right now, they're probably playing some of the best best basketball out of any team. Uh, but, again, they are not – they're still not the team that everyone had as number one to begin the preseason. Obviously, no Joshua Langford. Uh, Joey Hauser is not playing. So they are, I think, still susceptible. Uh, to losing, to potentially losing early. How far do you have Michigan State going? I actually completely just forgot about Joey Hauser until you said his name. I had completely forgot that he's actually on the team. Going to be just, good next year. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, Play next year. As as we did talk a little bit about earlier, I think that really anything is possible for like any team seeded six or higher like I think that any of those teams could win so basically any team in the top 25 any team in the top 25 could end up cutting the nets at the end of this whole thing and it just depends you guys talked about earlier how sometimes MSU struggles from three but if they are knocking down their threes if Aaron Henry can hit a couple threes Gabe Brown can hit a couple threes Rockets threes maybe look a little more pure then I think that they have as good a chance as anybody to win this win this whole thing. And lastly, people have talked all season about the Big Ten being the strongest conference in college basketball. It's deep, obviously, as you said, could end up with 10, potentially 11 bids in the NCAA tournament. But just how good is this conference actually? Is this just you know a conference that's going to get you a lot of bids, but those bids aren't going to go far? Or do you actually see a bunch of teams with the ability in this conference to go deep in the big dance? I think... So of the Sweet 16, I think, honestly, half of them could be from the Big Ten. I mean, you look at the buys, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, Maryland, all these teams kind of have like a bucket getter who can go get you a bucket when you need it. You got Trice, DeSumo, Cassius, and then you can dump it down to Smith or you have uh, 
what's their their point guard, Maryland's point guard. Cowan. Cowan. Cowan, yeah. He can get you a bucket, too. And then Iowa, you have Garza. I mean, Purdue has uh, Lamar Stevens. It just, the list goes on and on. I really, I likely think, I mean, and it's still a lot, but I think that they'll more likely have five or six teams, but I think it could be as high as eight, half the Sweet 16. All right, and then my last one for you. What what goes into bracketology? I have no idea how any of this works. Lenardi just posts <laughs> yeah. it every week, and I'm like, okay, this is gospel. We're going to roll with this. What what goes into figuring out what teams go where? How many games are you watching? Are you have, like, eight screens on, and you're watching the Colonial Conference Championship? Uh. Yeah, so I've got, I yeah, I've got my TV. I always have something on my TV. Normally, I have two on. You know, you can flash back and forth something on there. But then I also have my laptop up, and I make separate windows, and so I can watch two games at once on my laptop, and then can do whatever on my phone. But just going into like the, the making of the bracket, I think that, you know, there's like everybody talks about these, like your. Not so much RPI anymore, but now the big thing is the net, the net rankings, mm-hmm. and like how your your schedule, conference, non-conference schedules, but then like opportunities, which has been opportunities to improve your net throughout the year, which has been big for like the Big Ten this year with how deep the league has been, is that teams like Indiana and Purdue, where if this was a different year, Indiana would probably be in Purdue's situation, and Purdue wouldn't really be looking at having a chance at all, but Indiana would maybe be in the first four out or the next four out, but because they've had so many opportunities to win games, they're still in this thing. Like, they've lost eight out of their last 12, and those four wins have all come at home. So, Right, right. That's crazy. I got, I got, I got a Go couple hit questions. It. I just got I, – Hit it. I have to. Grill them. My brother's in the studio. The Valley Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your? These are just goofy. We can actually go around if you want. If you guys want to do this, I, I just. What's your favorite upset ever? Like a one single game in the big dance. My favorite upset ever. Yeah. By the way, I do have to preface this. Brock came up last weekend with Miles. They both came up. We were hanging out, my my two brothers, and we watched like a twenty minute video compilation of all the upsets that have ever happened in the NCAA tournament. So it was a good time. Well, since you know a certain year on. Um. That's tough. I one immediately came to my mind, and it's Lehigh Duke with C.J. McCollum. Yeah, I always think of that when I think of I think of upsets. Okay, yeah, I Lehigh Duke, Mercer Duke. I'll always remember Mercer Duke because I had to go to orthodontist appointment, and my oh, grandma really? picked me up to take me to the orthodontist appointment. And this, I was like 2013 or something. So like late middle school, early high school, I'm like on my phone trying to watch the last five minutes to see if Mercer can pull it out, but. And then, as we talked about earlier, uh, Northern Illinois over Kansas. That's one of my most oh, like yeah. early memorable ones that I can remember. All right. Natalie, you got one? I don't know. More recently, the first one that came to mind was uh, Virginia and UMBC. Yeah. Was that fun. was crazy. But that was wild. I don't know. Because yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't really close. Like, UMBC was just kind of on right. top, and then they just pulled it So away. that was cool for them. Yeah. I don't know. That's the first one that, that came one, to my that mind. That one was crazy. But... Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's my other question: Who, what, where, what's, where are we at in the MAC tourney? The MAC tourney. Like who's we, who's winning the MAC tourney, and how far can the champion go in the big dance? The one seed is Akron, and most people, Lenardi included, have them around like a 13, 14, maybe even 12 line. But so the one seed is Akron, and the two seed is Bowling Green. 
I think Bowling Green is very dangerous. They have Dylan Fry and uh, I'm blanking on their best scorer's name. I know I'm blanking on his name, but I think they are personally a better team than Akron. However, if they get in, they'll probably be looking more at like a 14 seed or a 15 seed, but still could have what it takes to maybe upset a two or a three. All right. Cool. I like it. Were those your questions? Those are my questions. Nice. I like it. I like it. Did you write those up Try. beforehand? Or was that just is it Justin Turner, by the yes. way? Is that yes, his name? Justin Turner. Okay. Look at you, Natalie. I know. Here we go. Stat Big queen jail over here. here. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Stack Queen Kerwin. No, I, I was trying to think of questions that entire time you were kind of like driving that interview. And then you just kept taking the questions I was yeah, going to say. That was awesome. But in in your defense, oh, they no. were already on the dock, so I should have looked at that. But you know, yeah, I, I'm just trying to be. I'm just trying to be as good as you out here. <laughs> oh, I'm so not I'm not that good. Not that those are just. Yeah, you just selling yourself. I know, short. Trent, You might have to fill his not, shoes next year. Might have to. How do you I don't feel know. about that? It's not a might have. It's the it's happening. The have. It, we'll it's see. happening. You are. We'll see. It's one of the Valley Brothers is going to fill this seat. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah, we'll see. We can do, yeah. Where did your other brother go? He's going to Central next year. Oh, so he'll really? Be, he'll be oh, with so Brock. he's a senior? Yeah. Yep. He's coming to Central. He said he might be a student manager like me. So Really? How yep. cool would wow. that be? He didn't want Michigan State? Trent, does anyone like you? That is a much deeper question. He's falling completely in his footsteps here. There's layers to that question. There's layers. Yeah. yeah, Miles just, Miles wants all the action, I guess. All the wow. action. Yeah. Where's Kinda your sister like going? Is the she action. coming here? No, she's not. Does going she here like at all. you? What? I thought you. No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Be honest. No, she doesn't like you. Probably not. No. If, if you were, if you were on. just gonna go, do you like? It was like Taya. Do you like your brother? She'd be like, nope. That's not true. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's simply no, she not likes true. Me. She likes me. That's my homie. Uh, yeah, but no, she's not going here. She says it's too cold. Okay. Which makes well, sense. I can't argue with. I that. made a ridiculous yeah. we're finally decision. Finally out of that, but. Yeah. Yeah. So where's she thinking? Uh, North Carolina. Florida State. Wow. Yeah, Florida all... State, beautiful school. It is a beautiful school. I'm I walked concerned. around that campus and I thought, why didn't I go? <laughs> Florida State has a reputation. <laughs> I don't really want that, but it is what it is. Yeah, she'll be all right. She'll be okay. She'll I mean, I went through. to Big Michigan Bro, State. watching out for the little out. sis. Yeah. <laughs> How to make a better decision. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see about that. But that's nice. That's great. Following the footsteps. Maction. Yeah. I'd see it. Central yep. Michigan. Fire then you up. went a different route, Trent. Yeah, fire up chips. Yeah, were fire you a, up. Did you ever want to go to Central? I did. Was that yeah, an option? That was it was my second choice. Oh, was it? Yep. I will say that one of the oh sorry, Natalie to oh, cut you off. I didn't mean no, to No, that's you okay. Off. But one of the funnier things is, is Trent and I are driving back from Wisconsin and so we stopped off at his place to switch cars. So we were taking the mom's car, bullet train, uh had to get back in the <laughs> Ford. The bullet train. But we walk into the Bally household. And I think your dad's wearing a CMU shirt. Yep. I think your mom was as well. She may have been wearing a state shirt. But it was just fire up chips. I can tell the house is fire up chips. Yeah. And I'm like, there's just no love for Trent. Zero. <laughs> None. No love. Because yeah, no, you're the I've, middle child, right? Yeah, middle child syndrome. I think I think they were at your, one of your games, I think, earlier that day. It was a, it was a Sunday, wasn't it? I think it? so, yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But it was funny. It was funny. Great, I have a great family of the Valleys. Well, did either of your parents go to Central? They yeah, both did. Oh, they both, both? Oh, no wonder. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. So I'm the it's only one in household. the family yeah. who didn't go there. Well, <laughs> mom got her master's from MSU. That's true. My mom did get her master's here. Oh, did here. she? Okay. Yes, so. A little Spartan blood there in the family already. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. That's sweet. All right. I like it. Yeah, cool. I like it. That's a great way to end off 
episode 10 season 7 uh round off with some family talk we're gonna save our, our predictions from episode one uh, big Ten tournament outlook we're going to indianapolis thursday afternoon ish uh so we're gonna get to the hotel and record a little on the road podcast for yeah. you all there so there will be two episodes this week be sure to stay tuned for that uh we're maybe have we'll have content. jay williams on again maybe we'll have jay williams on don't think it's gonna happen again he's been ignoring my twitter dms so <laughs> <laughs> wait how did you get him the first time last uh, year so we're in the hotel room in minneapolis he tweets out yo i'm calling people to talk college basketball and it was like 8 a or no like 9 a.m and i was just sitting there laying in the hotel bed and i was like I'm just gonna do it so i tweeted out my number shot the shot and next thing you know jay williams is calling my phone i'm like yo what up and i was like we're is that what you said? Is that exactly how no. you said it? Yo, what up, JJ? <laughs> I was like, hello, sir. It's, it's fantastic to talk to you. <laughs> he gets all nervous. He's like, ah, I'm hello, talking. Mr. Williams. He's like, do you like He's like, do you like basketball? I'm like, ah, it's good. It's cool. Yeah, it's the <laughs> yeah. greatest thing ever. But um, yeah, so just told him. I was like, hey, we're student journalists here, and we record a podcast. He followed me back on Twitter, and I was like, you, does he still follow you? Want to be on? Yeah, he still follows me. Still follows me. Doesn't respond to the DMs, but he uh, he still follows me. But okay. we got him on there, and so we'll see. We'll see. I did tease. There's more guests coming. So okay, there we're gonna be, have to do our job. Might then. be some stuff in yeah. the works. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Indianapolis March is on the way. This is March, people. Get with it. We're on the road. We're rolling. Podcast content coming out. So make sure you can follow me at Janerscore Mitchell twenty five at Tbal ninety one at Natalie Kerwin one. Good job. And at Brockitology spelled first name Brock itology underscore on yeah. Twitter. Follow everybody at WDBM Sports content everywhere. Brock, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Of course, we appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime. If you want to kick Trent off and be on the show permanently, <laughs> you can. <laughs> that is perfectly fine. But that's going to end out episode 10, season 7, Impact is on. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you later on this week. <laughs>